When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Mortgage Lending Mastery. Get the knowledge you need from America's Mortgage Mentor with more than 35 years of experience and over $1 billion in lifetime fundings. You'll learn to advance your mortgage practice quickly and efficiently. Also, be sure to check out Jen's book, Launch, How to Take Your Business to New Heights. Available on Amazon. For a signed copy, contact Jen at jenduplessis.com. Now, here is certified mortgage planner and CEO of Kinetic Spark Consulting, Jen Duplessis. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Mortgage Lending Mastery. I'm your host, Jen Duplessis, and I am so excited today because I have a guest that I had on the show, um, gosh, probably, what, six, seven months ago, Doug? Is that probably when you were on the show last time? Probably. Yeah, something like that. Um, Doug Smith and uh, Doug Smith is with Doug Smith and Associates, and he is a nationally known um, speaker, author, sales trainer, and performance coach. Kind of like what I, you know, exactly what I do, actually. <laughs> um, thirty-five years of experience. Gee, it sounds like me, Doug. Exactly, thirty-five years of experience, and um, you know, I think it's always good to bring on someone who does exactly what I do, so you get a different perspective, right? And um, we had such a great time. We thought, let's do this again. You know, let's let's get together. So, welcome to the show again, Doug. Happy Thank to ha- you. happy to have you. Thank you. So, of course, of course. So, one of the things that you and I wanted to talk about today, because you know, we were just chatting offline about what we wanted to, um, you know, accomplish on this particular call. And one of the things that that I mentioned was that a lot of people are hiring team members. They're now, you know, starting that team member hiring piece. And you know, it's ironic too because. Uh, right now, a lot of people that are hiring, um, given the fact that I hear so much about price compression and competition, you know, you would think that people would be contracting, but I'm really hearing a lot of people that are expanding. But one of the problems or the challenges that I, that I see in our industry is hiring too fast, firing too slow, hiring the wrong people for a job that you don't even know you need. It's more of a panic situation. And so we thought today what we would do is talk about this and, and see if we can put, shed some insight on the hiring process and um, maybe even some leadership, you know, some leadership that, that's involved in that uh, once you hire somebody. So um, does that sound like a good idea, Doug? Yeah, and, and to me, okay. the listeners, whether they are in a situation now where they are considering bringing on board their first team member or maybe a second team member or maybe they're not in a position right now uh, production-wise where they feel that, you know, it's necessary, but down the road they're thinking about, you know, this is probably something that's in my future. I think uh, it, would, it would be a good idea to give a listen to our conversation today because it is an important topic, and at some point in your career, if you stay in this business long enough, you're going to get to the point where you say, I need help. Absolutely. And, and the thing is, we will, what we were talking about is that most of the time, the I need help is um, a panic. I now need help. 
<laughs> more like, not I need help, but I now need help. Now I can't take it anymore. And that's, therein lies why most people are starting to, you know, just try to find anybody. And it was funny, I was talking to one of my um, students, you know, the other day, and he said, you know, well, I just really, really liked her. And that's why I brought her on. I mean, she, I just really liked her. But here we are five months later, and, and I just started coaching him. And here we are, five, he is five months later into this hire, and this poor gal, you know, he's like, she's not working out. And, and time and time again, we hear that where they're not working out. Well, they're probably the wrong hire, you know, the wrong, hired for the wrong reason. Probably a pleasant girl, and hopefully we'll be able to keep her on his team because there's time vested. But, um, you know, it's that panic. So, so what are some strategies that, that um, you have? And then maybe I can bounce some of mine off too. But what are some strategies that you have when someone's starting, you know, knowing that, at some point in their career, they're going to want to hire an assistant because that's usually the first hire, right, is someone to just do some of the paperwork for you. Um, not that it has to be that kind of hire, but typically that's what it is. Um, so what are some strategies that you have in preparation for that? Well, you know, the first question I think uh, loan originators need to ask themselves um, is, am I really ready for this? Am I ready to make this move? Because, you know, this is for the first time in, in your career, perhaps, that you are now responsible for someone else's job, someone else's income, someone else's livelihood. And to Absolutely. me, when you, when you hire in that first person, I don't know if you're ever really ready, Jen. It's kind of like having kids. Are you ever really ready to have kids? You just make the right. decision that now's the time and I'm going to go forward with it and I'm going to learn it along the way type of thing. But when you look at are you really ready, what you really have, and you said this a minute ago, is can you sustain it? Because what happens with a lot of mortgage loan officers is, like you said, all of a sudden, for whatever reason, it's the market, it's their activities are paying off for them. They get really busy, and they get in a panic, and, and they need another set of hands. And that's fine. But what you really got to look at is, can I sustain this? In other words, you have to look at your results, and you got to go back, you know, 18 months, two years, and so on, and you've got to see them in an upward trajectory, like, you know, I seem to be, my business is continuously growing at a good pace, I'm making more this year than I did last year and the year before, I look at this year, and I'm up over the year, it, because you've got to sustain that trajectory. If, if for some reason you just get swamped for a couple months and you're like, ah, you know, I need an assistant, and then you go out and hire this person, and then come December or January, you're not got, doing a lot of loans. Now either, A, you've got to fire this person, or B, if you're paying them, you've got to pay them out of your pocket, and they become an expense to you because your revenue is not there. So the first thing you've got to look at is, is the monetary part, and, and that is, is my business on an upward trajectory to the point that I can bring somebody on board and sustain that person for the long run? Yeah, I agree. I, I agree with that. Um, you know, part of it is the assessment in the beginning of um, the, am I going to hire this person to sustain me or am I going to hire this person with the purpose of this growth, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you, so the answer to the question is um, the second, the latter. You're not intending to hire this person for growth and only for sustainability, then you're probably hiring for the wrong reason. Um, and the reason why I say that is because time and time again, the people that I've coached have hired someone but not changed their behavioral habits. They've hired them to fill what they thought was going to be a void, and all they did was add more on to that person and to themselves. Um, perfect point in case, uh, 
um, so a gal that I was that I coached, um, she hired somebody, but she didn't free up her time to go do more business. She just hired someone to fill a void. And um, while I feel there may be one or two little hires that end up happening like that along the way, it is certainly not the purpose of the first hire with the loan officer assistant to, um, you know, the purpose of that is to free you up, to get you out in the field, give you more time to get out and talk to people and bring more business in than be dealing with the uh, minutia of the operations of the loan itself. I mean, that's the whole purpose. And so one of the strategies that I think is really important is to have a three-month, let's call it an escrow because we all know what that is, right? (laughs) Have three months of escrow of that person's salary saved before you hire somebody because they're not going to produce for the first three months. If you do it right, they're not going to produce for the, right, for the first three months. And I know it sounds counterintuitive, but you need to spend 90 days training the heck out of this person. And you don't want to be worried about where your next dollar is going to come from. After 90 days, that's how you're setting this up is, hey, look, you need to produce via phone calls, right, via dialer or whatnot. You need to produce one loan referral a month that closes, right? You need to produce one lead this month, every month that pays for your salary. Or you need to free me up to be able to produce one more loan a month to pay for your salary. But I think setting expectations that the person coming in is going to understand how you work, and especially like you just said, Doug, if they're brand new, you know, as a loan officer and you've never hired someone before, there's some learning that you have to do as well. Don't you agree? Yeah, and think about the terms of, I mean, you know, we've all been there at the starting point of our careers. Remember when we started in this business, I mean, we we were pretty stupid too. We didn't really know what we were doing. It took us a while, call it a ramp-up period or whatever, to really get our feet wet and just, you know, the pulse of this whole business and so on. And and that probably took at least 90 days just to kind of get started, and then we continued to learn from there and so on. And I see a lot of my loan officers who, um, you know, they hire somebody new and, you know, they sit out with them for an afternoon, they show them what they want them to do, <laughs> and they, they expect, okay, you know how to do all this stuff that I have been doing, you know, for the last 15 years or whatever. And, there, you know, there, there's a patience to hiring. I mean, it, it's the same with us. When right. we started, it took us a while to learn and understand this business. And you've got to be ready to invest the time in that ramp-up period to get someone up to speed to get them comfortable with how you work and what you do. Right. Yeah. And I always call that slow down to speed up. Right. And that's, that's what it's all about is take, making sure you've got your little escrow, making sure that you've got, I mean, it's a six month period. Do you hear, you know what I mean? Your escrow, unless you have your escrow immediately, but three months worth of, of salary for the person and then three months of, of um, educating so that you can, you know, slow down to speed up. And it allows you both to uh, slowly get yourselves out there, you know, for you to uh, create a new habit of spending more time out slowly rather than going out and relying on that person immediately. It's not fair to the person either, but, you know, I totally, I totally agree with you um, on that. Yeah. So, so, uh, you know, so if we're looking at this as sort of step-by-step step, is you've made a, made a decision that you need some help, you've got a little bit of an escrow, you're going to start laying out a plan. What type of, a, what type of a, um, onboarding plan do you think works best that you've, you know, that you've helped people with? What type of onboarding do you think works good? Well, you know, and two things on that. One, to what you said about yeah. the escrow piece, which I think is real important, mm-hmm. too, that if you're bringing somebody on board, 
that is going to allow you to, to step up your business to that next level. Do the math. I mean, we're in a numbers business. We get numbers, all of us. You got to do the math and figure that out. For example, and let me just throw out numbers here. You know, different yeah. loan officers when it comes to bringing on board. I mean, some companies will fund it for them. They'll say, you know, if you're doing this amount of volume, we'll pay yeah. for an assistant. If you're doing this amount, we'll pay half. If you're doing, we're gonna, you know, you pay the whole thing. So let's let's just assume for a minute that the loan officer is into it for the whole thing. You've got to be able to do those numbers. And and for example, if you're going to hire somebody and and pay them, I'm just going to make up a number, Jen. You know, forty-eight thousand yeah. dollars a year as a salary. Well, that's four thousand dollars a month. So you got to say, okay, how much do I make on an average loan? And just for the fun of it, let's say you make two thousand dollars on an average loan based upon your average loan amount and your commission plan and so on. You might say, well, you know, if if I do two more loans a month, well, that that pays for her. But that's really not the way to look at it because you're back to even. You do two right. more loans a month and you pay somebody $4,000 and you haven't really gained anything. Financially, right. yes, your business is up, but now you're into the salary for $48,000 a year. So to me, it's, it's kind of a one-plus deal. In other words, I've got to do at least three loans a month to make this person a profit center. If I can do three more loans a month consistently over what I have been doing without this person, not only does his or her salary cost me nothing in a way, it's already kind of self-funded, but I'm actually making money with them being here. And that's really how you have to look mm-hmm. at it. So yep. if somebody looks to bring on somebody on board and, and they crunch those numbers, whatever those numbers end up for them, they've got to look, take an honest look at that and say, can I do that? Because there's not a lot of loan officers that'll say, you know what? If I had somebody on board with me right now, yes, it would be a big help. and Yes, it would free me up. And yes, it would be less stress. But do I honestly think I could add another three loans a month on top of what I'm doing right now? Some LOs will say, absolutely, man. And and if that's the case, you need to move forward with this. But if you're looking at that number, whatever it is, and you're thinking, you know, I don't think that's possible, then don't bring anybody on board because it's not going to work. Yeah, yeah. And and I think that's that's a self-assessment, too, you know, is what am I going to do? to bring in the three, what this person freeing me up, not having to look at documents, not following up with clients, right? Not overseeing everything. What, what activities am I going to start implementing that will allow me to bring in the extra three? Is it going after one new realtor who's a producer that, that you've wanted to go after and you think, you know, Hey, I could possibly get three, three loans from that person because they're a big team or maybe it was rekindling a relationship because you were, too busy for their referrals now that you've got too busy, right? Um, is it uh, now having that person who's on board, depending on the position, right? Is it having them making calls to your database? Is it, ha- you know, having them reaching out to your database with the intent that there would be three more uh, past client um, or alumni client, whatever you want to call them, refinances their own referrals or their referrals to other people, you know, um, and I, I think that, that really requires a lot of work and it's not, it, it, I mean, work in, in the sense that you've got to do a lot of planning as opposed to this panic of I've got to hire somebody because I need them. Um, so I agree. I agree with you wholeheartedly. What could they possibly do that would, you know, uh, ramp up their their income immediately, their volume immediately. That's a, good, that's a good way to look at it because I think when somebody is looking to bring somebody on board their team, the first question they need to ask is, well, first question is, am I ready? But the second part is, what do I want? What am I actually hiring? Because we use the mm-hmm. word assistant kind of globally, but really you don't yes. hire assistant. You, 
you're either hiring a a personal processor you're basically hiring your yeah. own processor to chase down docs and clear conditions and process your loans b you're hiring a marketing assistant not a processor not somebody that understands right. putting together loan files but somebody who can manage your database somebody who can uh, send out your mailing somebody who can uh, up update uh, you know your marketing efforts somebody who can do your social mm -hmm. media for you or you're hiring an office administrator who is not a processor and not a marketer. They're just basically there to answer your phone, book your appointments, make your copies, you know, just an office type administrator. Or you're hiring what we call a junior loan officer. In other words, somebody under mm -hmm. me that I'm going to groom as a producer. Like you said, I'm going to expect this person to bring in, you know, one loan a month, a friend of theirs. Or I'm going to expect this person to be marketing for me, talking to customers and so on. And eventually, you know, I'm going to get a piece of their action as their boss. You know, those are the four big ones I see. And I think what loan officers who are thinking about bringing somebody on their team really need to stop and say, what, what is it that I really want to hire here? And my other thing about that is when I'm working with someone or coaching them or whatever else, they say, well, I want all that. I'm like, no, 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 you don't. Start with one thing. Start with one thing to say, what is it I really need right now? Get that person in, whether it's a personal processor, a marketing assistant, whatever, and, and give them that job. Let them learn that job. Get proficient in that job. And then if they're ready and you're ready, add another hat to them. Now maybe they can handle my marketing or now maybe they can be my office administrator. But to hire somebody and expect them to be, you know, my personal processor, my marketing assistant, my office administrator, and also a mini junior loan officer to bring in business, it ain't going to work. <laughs> right. Well, therein starts what we what I started talking about in the beginning is this complete uh, panic that happens that people say, I just need somebody. And there's the problem. So, you know, that's exactly what you're saying is, you, you know, you can't bring someone in and have them be a girl Friday or a guy Friday for every single thing that you you possibly do. It's just it's just not possible. So identifying what your highest and best use is, you know, and I call it the trifecta of success because, because it's what do I love to do? What do I do very, very well, right? And what makes financial sense for me to do? And everything else should be done by someone else. If it doesn't make sense for you to be looking at tax returns for half an hour, financial says, is, um, sense, and it isn't something you love to do, right? And it's something you're not that great at, even if you're great at it, it's not something that you should be doing to generate business, right? In the beginning, of course, you have to because it's, it's part of the financial piece. But eventually, it makes more sense for someone else who is more skilled, who loves digging into them, to be looking at tax returns for 20 or 30 minutes while you're on the phone making four or five more phone calls, right? And, and so identifying... Go ahead. Yeah, no, there, go there's, ahead. A, there's a fun little exercise that our listeners can do that I call my fantasy list, <laughs> and, and, and it's this. Just sit at your desk and, 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 as a loan officer, take a blank piece of paper out. Let's suppose you've been thinking about bringing on board some help or whatever. So let's just project ourselves into a little fantasy future. Let's pretend that that person starts on Monday, and you've got a full-time quote-unquote assistant starting with you on Monday. And let's suppose that having that person there is going to free up 
let's just say 10 hours a week of your time. Certainly it's not going to free up all your time, but let's just figure a couple hours a day. Having that person there and having them take over certain responsibilities that you have been doing Mm -hmm. is going to free you up because what you said, the whole idea is to free up your time. So let's pretend you had that time starting Monday morning. You've got two hours a day or 10 hours a week. What would you do with it? Now, this is an interesting exercise because – you know, loan officers need to sit down with a piece of paper and say, what would I do with 10 free hours of time every week? Well, I'd make more sales calls on realtors. Well, I'd do more marketing. I'd do more social media. You know, make that list of this is what I would be doing. First of all, you've got to be able to make the list because if you can't make the list, don't yeah. have a person. But if you can't <laughs> right. make a good list, then stare at that list and ask yourself a very powerful and very personal question. Would I do it? Because, Jen, you know there's a lot of loan officers out there that will say, boy, if I had an assistant, I'd be out there a whole lot more. And then they hire an assistant, and they never get out anymore because they really And they run errands. They don't want to do it. It's like, you know, <laughs> right, i got all this time errands. now, but I don't want to call on realtors. I don't want to join a networking yeah. group. I don't want to go to association events. I don't want to do home buyer seminars. You've got to be able to look at that list and say, would I do it? And if the answer is absolutely, then get to work and hire this person. But if the answer is, you know what, even if I had the time, I'm not sure I would do this stuff, then you're probably not ready to bring on board someone to help you. Yeah. No, I totally agree. And and by the way, if you're if if some of what you want, because I, I believe in you know the integration of work and, and family. If if your intent is that some of what you would do is spend time with your family so that you can sharpen your axe, that's okay. I just want you to know that if you do that, you're you're going to be um, you're going to have to work more focused and maybe even harder with some some of the extra time that you are developing for yourself, you know. But I want to point out that it doesn't all have to be replaced, especially if someone's thinking about this, and I have to put myself in their shoes. If you're at the point where you're about ready to hire an assistant, most likely you're working about 60 hours a week. You're working a lot of hours. So the intent here, yeah, or should be, right. Or The intent here is not for you necessarily to continue to work the 60 hours, unless you choose to do so. But if, but if you find yourself tired, mentally, physically, you know, your family life is being affected, then some of what this person is going to bring on is family time. And I want to make sure that people recognize that too. You don't have to always replace it with business, business, business. You might be able to replace it. Maybe, maybe one of the reasons you're hiring someone is not, not because you want a ton of, of growth. You do want growth, but maybe it's that you want a little bit of your life back. So Make sure that you're thinking about that, too, when you're writing this down. It doesn't have to be replaced by business. It could, it could be a piece, a chunk of, of it that is um, replacing your life, you know, giving yourself some time to sharpen your axe so that you can be even better. Yeah. Maybe it's and as long going as people, to a conference. Yeah, as long as people understand that, too. And, and this is usually, you know, we're talking now to top producers. We're not talking to somebody right. doing four or five loans a month that says, ah, I'm working Mm -hmm. my brains off. I need more free time. No, we're talking about, like you said, Mm -hmm. we're talking about somebody working 60 hours a week doing $60 million a year that says, you know what? I would be more than happy to pay someone to write a check for four or $5,000 a month to be home at six o'clock every night instead of nine o'clock. That you're right. That is completely okay. But you've got to be okay with that too. It's the person hiring. You got to say, look, this is a decision I'm making. I'm willing to give up Mm $50,000 of my salary a year, whatever it is, in order to have a life. And for some people, that's the right answer for them. But you've got to be okay with that going in. Yeah, 
no question. And but I do want to share with that because I, you know, I see so many people just, you know, working themselves to the bone and not getting anywhere. And some of it is the balance and behavior that we have to, you know, we do have to address. Okay, so so you're saying, you know, run the numbers, you know, decide. I just want to kind of recap. So I want to make the decision that, you know, you need some help. Let's set up an escrow, right? Make sure we've got a little bit there so it does, we don't have that strain and stress when it happens. Clearly spend the time that's needed. And I still want to kind of talk about that too, is like what would that look like? How should I train this person the first 30, 60, and then 90 days? And then really carving out the numbers to know what, what uh, you know, this person, where is your, uh, not your break-even, well, identify your break-even, but then identify where your growth will come from and what, how many loans is that per month. And then now figure out what am I going to do with my time that I, ha- that I have freed up? What am I going to do with that time to bring in that delta, right, to bring in that delta? And um, so what would be next? in that well, process. The next part is what would they do with their time? So, you know, the second yeah. part to the fantasy list is if, if I do this list and say, you know, this is how much time I could free up a week and this is what I would invest that time in and I'm into that, then the next part is to take that same piece of paper, flip it over to the other side and continue with my little game, my little fantasy game and say, okay, I'm going to pretend I've got this person starting Monday morning for me, all right? What would I have him do? What would I have her do? What would be their roles and responsibilities? And you've got to define that specifically, all the way down to answer the phone when I'm not here, make copies for me, whatever it is. You make a list. And, of- and here's how I want you to answer the phone for me. Right. I mean, that's all part of the job. Yeah. I mean, nitty-gritty, yeah. But, but yeah. understanding that, you know, this is what I would have this person do specifically. This would be mm-hmm. the 12, 15, whatever things that they would be spending the bulk of their time actually doing. Okay, so you, you and, and that list will evolve. It'll change, but at least you get it started. So you've got this list of this is what they would be doing with their time. Okay, now yeah. the next step after that is what am I really looking for? Again, back to, do I want a personal processor? Does this look like the job of a processor? Do I want a marketing assistant? Do these activities look like a marketing assistant? What is exactly I'm hiring here and so on? Because again, as you said earlier, you know, I want to fit, you know, a person to a job, not a job to a person. Too many people will hire somebody they like or a family member or a friend or whatever else because they like him, they like her, they're sweet, whatever else, they dress nice. And then they try (laughs) to mold a job to that person. It just doesn't work. So what you got to say is, okay, this is what I want right here. And this is what I have to recruit, interview, and hire for. So what what type of person would ha- what kind of skills and what type of experience would someone who is qualified to do this job what would that look like and now i'm starting to formulate this is kind of my job description this is what i'm looking for that if i go out there on on linkedin or if i go out there on indeed or if i start putting the word out that i'm looking for somebody and so on i'm very clear on on exactly what i want and then from there as I interview and talk to people, I share that list with them. I type it up, you know, but share it with them saying, this is the job. This is, don't just give them a paragraph of, you know, your job is to provide, exper- you know, service. Yeah, bullet. You know, make the list of this right. is what you'd be doing with your time. <laughs> and, and walk the candidates to that list and talk about each one. Tell me about your experience here. Tell me about your expertise here. How do you feel about that? You know, find out as you're talking to different people, do they really fit the job here and so on versus just hiring somebody that you like. But 
that, that, that responsibility checklist really becomes the heart of your recruiting efforts and also your training efforts as, you, as they come on board, as you talk to them. This is what you have to teach them how to do. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, too. If you can identify the various roles that you want to have, you know, in the dream world, right, when, when this is all built out over whatever period of time, I want five people on my team, and these are the people I want, the type of people I want, and this, these are the, the uh, duties and responsibilities that, they, uh, that I would want them to do. And now, once you have that in your mind, in your mindset, when you're out gallivanting, right, and you're out, you're out doing sales and networking and whatever, and you stumble upon someone who starts meeting these, this criteria, you can start dabbling in the thought of bringing them on board over time. And so now that, now you, when you get panicked, you know, you don't get panicked in that particular role. Um, instead of, again, your other person, your, your first hire getting panicked because they're overloaded, you're overloaded, and you hire a third person, third personality on the team quickly rather than taking that time. It's more of a methodical process that is just much more calm. It's, it's much more soothing. It takes more time, and it's much more um, I was going to say, I was going to use a Bushism there, a strategist. I don't even know what word I was going to use. But it's much, it's much more of a strategy as opposed to, you know, a knee-jerk reaction. So I think that that's really, really key. So, you know, if you're listening in on this, it really is. And, and I, by the way, I have this in my book, uh, what you're talking about, Doug. And I, I break it out into finder, minder, and grinder. And, um, you know, if you're sitting there and you're, and you're uh, I'm not an advocate of every 15 minutes, write down what you did. I'm an advocate of what you're doing. So if you're doing finding activities, things that will generate business, lead generating activities, write those down. If you're analyzing pay stubs, if you're returning phone calls from questions about uh, how to sign documents, if you're you know, doing all of those things, that's a minder. That's, that's what your assistant will be doing. They're minding the business. They're, they're making the client, um, the customer experience great. And then you have the grinder piece. Are you doing um, expense reports? Are you making flyers? Are you calling people to see if they're coming to an event of yours? Those are, those are more grinder activities, which can be broken out into both admin and marketing or relationship manager type things, you know, like where you're, ba- you're emailing back and forth, can you meet next week at two or four or five or, or Tuesday or whatever? Those are all grinder activities. So if, so if you segment those, and the list that's the longest is usually the list that needs to be re- fixed first, the position that needs to be filled first, because generally the finder activities are very small when you're trying to manage your practice by yourself. They're not as large as they could be. Um, I think that's, I think. And as you look at that list that you're creating there, um, you've got to be able to look at that list and say, you know, I am willing to give this up because as you know, there's a lot of loan officers out there that are control freaks, you know, and nobody can make a copy or staple two pieces of paper together as as talented as I can, right? I have to do (laughs) it all. And, and, and you, so you make this list of responsibilities that you want this person you're hiring to do. You got to take a good hard look at that list and say, am I ready to give this up? Now, not overnight, but if I hire the right person who I believe has the right skills and talents and I give them the right training, am I willing to say, 
you're going to do this now. You're going to call my customers. You're going to set up the appointments. You're going to clear my conditions. You know, some loan officers can do that, and they're ready for it. And some loan officers, even though they have people on board with them who should be doing this stuff, those ba- people are basically sitting around, you know, you know, reading Us Weekly because the loan officer, you know, will not give up. These, no, I have to do it. No, I'll call her. No, I'll take care of this. You've got to be ready to give that up. Yeah, really key because if you if you have that white knuckle syndrome, you know, then then it's not even worth hiring people at all. You're because you're just too much of a control person. I actually was coaching someone like that for two years. We just finished coaching, and I know she listens to this podcast. <laughs> she'll she'll know it's her. But um, she hadn't been on vacation for seven years. Oh my gosh. Seven years, and she was doing eight or nine closings a month. You know, she had eight or nine families she was helping. And she hadn't been on vacation for seven years because she, she uh, couldn't leave her business, just couldn't leave. She had five people on her team, five people doing eight to nine loans a month, right? And yet she couldn't go on vacation. So by the time we finished um, coaching, and we just finished um, after about two and a half years together, we just finished coaching up about four months ago. I missed her terribly, but she's, she's got it now. She's been on vacation. She just, in fact, right now, probably in July, she's going to Europe for a month. Um, she has the same five people, but she's now doing 18 to 20 loans a month. Good for her. And it makes sense. It makes sense that she is, but she had to let go. She had to let go. I mean, she was stressed. She'd cry on the phone and yet she had hired all this team to make things better. And she was her own worst enemy. Well, and the thing, too, if, if there's someone listening here who aspires to be a, a top producer, let's use that term, top producer, not that they have to be the number one loan officer in America, but they want to be right. among, you know, the top 10% of their company or yep. the top loan officer in their branch or their broker, and they want to be someone who's doing, you know, $40, 50000000 million a year, you know, follow the leaders. Look at people who are already there, and one of the common denominators you're going to find is what we're talking about today is they got help. You don't see people out there that do seven. 70 or $80 million a year that say, you know, no, we process centrally and I don't have an assistant. Baloney, you know. They've either got right. two private processors and a marketing assistant. Nobody is doing it by themselves because you read about these men and women with these amazing numbers out there and your jaw just drops on the floor about how can anybody do, you know, 290 units a year or whatever. Guess what? They're not. They have a whole right. team of people doing those 290 units a year. So, you know, if you aspire to That's be right. there at some point of your career, trust me, you are not going to get there alone. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, my team's like that. You know, I, I, I've, you know, been in the top 200 several times. I'm in the 1%, top 1%, and I have a team. There's no way I could do it. There's no way I could do it and a podcast and speaking, right, coaching. I could not do it. And that's what I wanted from it. You know, and that's why I say it's really important to know what you want from it. I wanted free time to be able to pursue other interests after 35 years of doing lending. You know, I wanted free time to pursue other interests during the day, whereas someone else has a whole different goal for that. You know, I have, a, I have another guy that I, that I coach, and he just, he just wants to be able to work four days a week. He wants to work four days a week really hard and then take the fifth day off and spend it with his family. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, there's a lot of soul searching here that needs to happen. So, okay, so from the tactical perspective of that, is there anything else that you'd like to shed some light on about this whole process of bringing on um, team members that, that you think would be relevant for people? 
Yeah, and you know, it, it's it's sort of a it's sort of a long term investment for a long term payout because you think about mm-hmm. it, if you if you hire the right person who fits well in your team, and you can relate to this too, uh, you know, they're going to be with you. My office manager has been with me for thirteen years now. You know, this person may be with you for 10, 15, 20 years. It, you know, we're looking long-term here. At least we hope it works out that way. So as you said, hire slow. I mean, don't rush out there and just hire somebody who, again, is, is, is a guy, a friend of yours down on his luck or a guy you played around to golf with and you seem, you seem like a nice guy and you had a beer and you hired him or whatever. We make these quick hiring decisions, then we get in this box and say, you know, OMG, what did I do? You know, take the time as we're walking through today, you know, what am I looking for? What is their job responsibility? What would that free me up to do, you know, and, and, and in your recruiting process and in your talking process, you know, use that responsibility list. Talk to people about what you're doing. Be very specific about the job, the hours, the pay, the expectations, and so on. You know, do a good job up front of hiring the right person because, again, they may be with you for a really long period of time. The loan officers who tend to have the best luck in this are loan officers who are out there. In other words, yeah. If you're an MLO and you spend, you know, 99.9% of your time in your office and you're working deals and conditions and you're on the phone and you're looking in your computer and everything else, you don't get plugged in. You're not out there in the street. You don't belong to industry association. You don't go to networking groups or leads clubs or business circles. You know, you don't do any of that stuff. You probably don't know anybody. And, yeah, you're going to have to go to Indeed maybe to find somebody. But when you're out there on a regular basis and you're involved in your local mortgage association and you're going to networking events and business club events and meet up and women in business and stuff like that, just naturally, you know, you're meeting people, you're talking to people, and all of a sudden you're going to run across people that you're thinking, you know what? You know, I like this woman. I like this man. Mm-hmm. There might be a fit. Yeah. You know, they may not be interested, but I'd like to have a conversation with them to find out. So, you know, as a part of the recruiting and hiring process, you've got to ask yourself, you know, now that I've understood what exactly I'm hiring and what I want them to do, where am I going to find these people? And, and the more out you are, the more you're going to find them. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Because it's not what you know, it's who you know, right? And, it, and it's reversed. It's in the insane reverse. It's very difficult to find someone from an ad in the paper, et cetera. You know, referrals are great too. You know, even your competition, if you're at a networking event at a, you know, a, a realtor association or whatnot, it's a great opportunity to say, you know, I'm not hiring right now, but I am looking, I'm starting the process of looking, you know, for someone who does this, that, and the other. And ask your, your colleagues as well, because they may know people that, that can help too. So referrals are good, just as much as it is getting yourself out there. And there's, mm-hmm. um, you know, when you look at our industry right now, and especially if you're hiring someone that you say, you know, it would really help if I had someone with a, a bit of a mortgage background here, you know, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of good talent out there. I mean, there there are a lot of banks out there right now because a lot of banks have been very refi-driven for many years. And I know from my clients that I work with, I have a lot of mortgage lenders who are doing really well right now because they're purchase-focused people. And I have a lot of bank clients right now who are struggling right now because, you know, I hate to say it, but they're very service-oriented. When, when a customer walks in the branch and asks me a question, I'll help them, but I'm not really out there selling a lot. And so 
I, I'm talking with clients right now who hate to say it, but you know they are laying off processors. They're laying off underwriters. They're even laying off some of their loan officers that aren't doing so well and so on. Um, MI companies are, as we know, consolidating and merging, and there are great MI reps that are being let go out there. These are good people with a good mortgage background who are anxiously looking for a position in our industry right now. So th- there is some talent in the marketplace right now to go after. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, so setting yourself up in advance so that you know, um, so you're prepared, you know, it's knowing what the role is and then living it, just sort of living it around, you know, around always be, you know, what are they, there's a lot of people um, who talk about the fact that they're a talent uh, scout or a talent acquisition uh, manager. You are, if you're a team lead, you are a talent acquisition manager every single day. You don't know when the person who works for you is going to leave you. And you've got to have people in the hopper all the time. Yep. So you're, you're a talent acquisition. Just add that to your, to your list of loan officer duties. Right? Well, you know, many people listening to this call, obviously if you're listening to this podcast, you care enough about your business and you're serious about your career. So, so good for you. And if that's the case, you've probably built up some pretty good selling skills along the way. Recruiting is a selling skill. I mean, it's the same thing. Yeah. Like what you were just saying right there is exactly what we do every day. We're out there looking for prospects. We're looking for buyers. We're yeah. looking for realtors. We're looking for builders. We're making connections. We're starting conversations. We're doing that every day to grow our business. And as you said, as we know, you know, you can't rest on your laurels because you may have a great realtor that sends you a lot of business today and she may retire on January 1st and, and you're screwed. So you're always looking for more realtors to add to that. You're using the exact same skills in recruiting. You're raising your antenna, you're getting your feelers out there, you're paying attention, and you're looking for people in the marketplace that might want to join your team. And if you do that, and again, assuming you're out there and not sitting in your office parked all day long, you're going to find those people. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. Okay, any parting thoughts? It's been great. I, you know, this is a very strategic call, and I love it. And I'm hoping that, you know, for those of you, the, of you that are listening, you listen to this a few times, not in your car and working out. I mean, I just talked to someone the other day. He's like, I listen to you every day, every day at 6 o'clock in the morning. Okay, great. But maybe you need to sit and take some notes on this one. Um, Make sure that, that you get a plan together, you know, to move forward. And listen, if you are on a team and you're seeing your team lead struggle, this is a perfect podcast to share with them as well because, um, you know, maybe they can uh, do some things differently to make your team better. And so that's, that's killer. And if you're a manager and, you, you know, we have a lot of managers listening, this is perfect for you to, to use in a sales meeting uh, for your team leads for them to really understand what the great process is here. Okay, so any final part, parting uh, thoughts for us, Doug? Well, my, my, my final thought is, is moving forward, and, and the folks listening to this podcast might think that, again, you know, yes, I am ready for this, and there's great ideas here I need to be using and so on. Or some might think, you know, yes, but just not yet today. What I would say to the people listening is whether you're ready or not today, start thinking about it now, and, and here are the reasons why. For you to grow your results and your income and your career, at some point, you're going to have to do this. It's inevitable because we reach this 
point of diminishing returns where we've only got so many hours in the day and we only have so many hands and we can only do so much. And every loan officer will hit that limit, whether that's six loans a month or 16 loans a month or whatever it is, where they will say, I physically can't do any more. Do I have the talent to do more? Yes, but I don't have the time to do more. And for you to break through that glass ceiling and get to that next level, you are going to have to bring on somebody at some point. So that, that's my first thought. The second is, you know, the, the evolution of this industry is sort of pushing us this way, if you think about it. You know, years ago, especially the large mortgage companies and banks, they all started to consolidate. They all started to centralize. So, you know, they took away your processor. They took away the underwriter out of your office. Now things are done regionally or centrally. And that bothers a lot of loan officers because they've lost control. And many loan officers have really struggled yeah. with centralization because, you know, here I am in wherever I am. Let's say I'm in Asheville, North Carolina, and my processor in Indianapolis, Indiana, our underwriters in Philadelphia, and we wire checks out of Seattle. That's the, I, I get it, man. That is a right. tough world to live right. in. And so that's not going away. That is not going – if you work for a large company – that is going to continue. And so if you want to keep control of your files and of your clients, that's going to push you at some point, if your company allows it, that you're going to have to bring somebody on board locally right there with you to be able to control your files. Um, technology is also driving this. Technology is driving it that so much more is tech, and if you're very tech-focused, then you're cool. But a lot of loan officers are not that tech-focused. They're sales-focused, they're people-people, they're detail-oriented. The idea of constantly learning new technology is a real struggle for them. Well, guess what? The Internet is not going away. And so, you know, it's only going to become more technology-focused as years go on. What that means is Mm -hmm. bringing on board someone to help you with those technology skills is going to be huge for you. New ways of database marketing new ways of video marketing, new ways of of verifying conditions and clearing things and so on. It's all going to be technology-driven. And having somebody on board to help you with that is going to be huge. And the last part of that whole package I'm I'm talking about right now is compensation. a lot of discussion in the industry now about, you know, thin margins and compensation and everything else. Loan officers are being richly paid today, and there's nothing wrong with that. I am all for it. But, you know, I talk to a lot of people, and I coach a lot of people out there. You know, they're getting paid 100, 125, 150 basis points alone. You know, when you're doing $300,000 loans, that's a chunk of change. You're making a lot of money. Well, companies realize that. And while companies realize, you know, I can't take my better producers and cut their pay because they're going to leave me, they don't do that. Right. What they do is they put more on the LO. They put more on the LO to say, you know what, I'm paying you, you know, $4,000 to do a single loan. Guess what? You're going to do this now. You're going to do this now. I'm going to thin my processing staff. I'm going to thin my backshop staff. That's going to help me meet my margins. But the way I'm going to make up for it is I'm going to put more on the loan officer's shoulder. So mm-hmm. things that yeah. normally we used to have other people do for us, processors, etc., that's more being put on the loan officer today, and that ain't going away either. So. To wrap that up, my thought is, whether you're ready or not, my advice is you better get ready at some point because uh, it's driving it that way. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, interesting thoughts on that. And, you know, I hadn't thought about that, but you're right, um, because there is some pushback on that. Um, In fact, I just just heard of a company that just laid off some top producers, um, and I I was floored by it. Why would you do that? But it is all about the weight the weight that that team has on the company, you know, if the, t- if the company is 
um, supporting the loan officer by paying for a base pay or something. Um, I'm seeing that too. So, you know, we just need to be prepared. We need to be, you know, in a position. And hey, look, the bottom line is this, and we don't want mean to leave this on a, a low note at all. You know, you're in this business because you like change. Whether you think you like change or not, you do, because you wouldn't be in it. If you were sitting in a job nine to five in front of a, in front of a computer at a desk, you would absolutely hate it. So embrace the change, adjust to the change. It's going to be here. And if you're going to have any sustainability for any long extended period of time and make this a true career and not just a job, you're going to have to learn to adjust to the change. So the, the fact that you just said that, Doug, about, about the price compression and competition and now the internal piece of that, that there's changes going on, that's okay. Embrace it. Figure out how you can adjust it and put it into your, um, into your perfect loan process so that you can maintain that efficiency and level of customer service and sanity that you, you know, so much desire. Or call Doug or I and let us coach you through it. You know, that's, that's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. So awesome. Well, thank you, Doug, again, for, for joining me. Um, it's always a pleasure to spend time with you. Um, I love your, I love your thoughts and I always learn from you and that's, you know, that's what I believe in. I believe that we learn from people that do the same thing that we do and hopefully you learn something too. And um, so how do we, how do we get in touch with you, Doug, if we want to get in touch with you, they want well, to the give you a call. Way, if anybody's interested in finding out about me or what I do, uh, just go to my website. It's www.dougsmithonline.com. And there's information on me and my bio and my client list and my presentations and programs and coaching and books and CDs and all that stuff. And also there is my 800 contact number, my, my email address. If you'd like to ask me a question or ask me about something, you're more than welcome to do so. Awesome. Wonderful. Well, again, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And uh, for those of you that listen, again, carve out a, you know, a little bit of time to go back through this and see if that you can pull a nugget or two out of it. Uh, to help you, your team, your staff, if that's what that's what manager, and um, please, please to write a review. We I love reviews. Reviews. You wrote a review before. Keep it going. We really appreciate. And then go to kineticsparkconsulting.com, um, or you can email me at jen at kineticsparkconsulting.com. We look forward to talking to you next time on Mortgage Lending Mastery. Thank you for listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery. Looking to streamline and launch your practice by accessing Jen's tools, courses, classes, presentations, and resources? Visit jenduplessis.com to learn about the features and benefits thousands of other professionals have experienced by enrolling in Jen's lifetime membership program. Isn't it about time you consider a coach to take your business to new heights? Contact Jen to start your application process today. Thanks again, and be sure to tune in next week.